Hello and welcome. This is Twenty One. Episode Seven Point One: Rome of the Americas. Imagine you are a member of a small group of Spanish conquistadors arriving on the shores of central Mexico. It's early May, 1520 A.D. This is the first time you have seen land since you left Spain about a month ago. It was not a pleasant journey across the Atlantic. Winter was over, but there were still one or two storms that came up during the crossing. Only the previous fall. Had the first conquistadors just returned from this strange land across the sea, and you have heard some interesting things from your comrades about this new world. You've heard that it's infested with savages, that there are strange and dangerous wild beasts running around, but most importantly, you've heard that there is gold, silver, gems, and other precious metals and stones to be found everywhere. Upon hearing this. You volunteered to be sent across the sea on the next expedition. Your hopes are high as you step onto the shore. You've seen the gold and silver being unloaded at the docks back in Barcelona. It's clear that there is a lot of gold and silver to be found here. You're hoping to strike it rich, bring gold or silver back to Spain, and make a name for yourself and your family. However, as you land on these strange, distant shores. They don't seem as intimidating as you thought they'd be. Yes, there's some jungle further south down the coast, and you can see some spots of condensed forest. But where your ship has landed, the land is fairly dry and hilly. It's not that much different than your hometown in Spain. But the land is surprisingly empty. You expected these savages to be lining the shore waiting for you. Instead, the only thing you hear is the lapping of the waves and the strange call of some distant bird. You turn to the captain of the conquistadors, a man who was just on this journey in the fall. You ask him where the savages are. He turns to you and he says, "They watch us from a distance. They're intimidated by our shiny armor. They should leave us alone." This gives you a boost of confidence. While you have your armor and your weapons, you're hoping to not have to lug them around everywhere the entire time. You'd rather concern yourself with the gold than any troublesome natives. But your small company is not just there for gold and silver. Your job is to explore the area and make contact with the local people to see if you can buy any alliances. The king of Spain is sending a larger company behind you. Which will be the main Spanish force here in this new world. The man leading that force is a man whose name is Cortez. You've never met him, but he must have made quite an impression for the king and queen to choose him to lead the main Spanish force. With this in the back of your mind, you head out across this new land with your comrades. You've traveled about a week into the interior, marking the path back to the beach so you don't get lost. You've seen a few natives from a distance. They seem ordinary enough. They mostly just stand there watching you. Every once in a while, a few of them will approach your group with someone of local importance. At least that's what you assume. That's how they present these people. 
and your captain tells you that they are local chiefs of some tribes in the area. They seem peaceful, as they let you continue exploring without giving you any trouble. But one day, a different man approaches the captain. This man is powerful and important. Flanked by armed guards, dressed in elaborate colors, feathers, and headdress, he oozes importance. He introduces himself as Montezuma. At least that's what you guess his name is. You can't really understand what he says. But he says his name in a way to signify importance. As he stands there talking, it becomes clear that he wants to show you something. He starts walking back in the direction from whence he came and beckoned your small company to follow. You look at the captain, waiting for his decision. You can see his gears turning as he thinks. He shrugs and turns to the men. If he wanted to kill us, I feel like he probably would have done it already. Let's follow him and see where he leads us. But be ready. Keep on the lookout for an ambush. You follow the captain, but your hand is now on your sword. You scan the hilltops and rocky edges around you, looking for any sign that something is out of the ordinary. But none of these hills are familiar to you, which only adds to the anxiety. But you follow this Montezuma for a few hours, before he starts to lead you up a rather large hill. You sigh. You're tired, hungry, and nervous. You are far deeper into this new land than you anticipated you would be. But Montezuma is visually getting more and more excited as he climbs the hill ahead of you. Whatever is at the top must be pretty good. Montezuma and his guards reach the top first, and they stop to stare. The captain follows along behind him and does the same. You ask up to him, what is it that you see? But there's no response. He seems at a loss for words. You quickly climb the way up the rest of the hill. You now understand why Montezuma was excited to show you this. Before you, in the valley, is the biggest building you have ever seen. Way bigger than anything you've seen in Spain. And even though it seems a bit in a state of disrepair, it's way more impressive than anything else you could have imagined you would have seen in this strange land. As the sun sets behind the massive pyramid in front of you, you wonder if this is truly the greatest sight on Earth. I hope you enjoyed that little bit of fiction, taking you back in history. While that story is completely fictional, what you saw was not. It is the third largest pyramid in the world and is at the end of a magnificent religious temple complex. What you are looking at is the seventh wonder of the ancient world, the temple complex along the Avenue of the Dead at Teotihuacan. The temple complex is along the Avenue of the Dead where the heart of a major civilization that existed in central Mexico long before the Aztecs came to power. Now we normally begin the introduction of the next wonder with some historical context around that wonder and the people that constructed it. But here at Teotihuacan, we run into a bit of a problem. There's hardly any evidence about the people of Teotihuacan. But we will dive a little bit more into that next week. Here for this week, 
we will just cover the basic information that we need to understand these amazing wonders. From what archaeological evidence that we have discovered at Teotihuacan, we guess that the temple complexes along the Avenue of the Dead were constructed from about the 1st century AD to the mid-300s AD. But there's no way to know an exact date. It's ironic, though. The 1st century AD was the height of Roman power in the Old World. When we think of that period of history, we have the assumption that Rome was really the only advanced, powerful nation in the world. China was emerging as a power in the Far East, but other than them two, we tend to think of the rest of the world as being slow or backwards. Slow, still living, simple lives. But the temple complexes along the Avenue of the Dead prove otherwise. They prove that halfway around the world, while no one from the quote-unquote known world even knew they existed, they were peoples who were just as impressive as the Romans themselves. Teotihuacan was founded at some point around 400 BC. Again, we have no idea who founded the city. The city has aspects from various cultures and peoples who also lived in the area, such as the Maya, the Olmecs, and the Mixtecs. But all of these civilizations came into their own centuries after Teotihuacan was founded. So the idea that perhaps one of these peoples founded the city is unlikely. Another theory among scholars is that an eruption of a nearby volcano forced several tribes of people to come together, and they built the city. But whoever it was that built Teotihuacan, it was the capital of one of the largest empires ever in the New World. It covered most of modern-day Mexico, and possibly even expanded as far into Belize, Guatemala, and even southern Texas. We know very little about the politics, culture, language, religion, or day-to-day -day life for the people of Teotihuacan. Similar to other peoples who came along in the area, it appears that they had a glyph-based language. Glyph-based languages are similar to Egyptian hieroglyphics or Chinese characters. Where the symbols used in the writing less refer to what we would call letters, and more with each image symbolizing a word or a phrase. As of yet, we have been unable to crack the glyph-based languages of the people of Teotihuacan. We understand a little bit more of Mayan or Aztec writings, but our knowledge of all Central American glyph languages is very limited. The reason why we know so little about Teotihuacan and its people is because there is almost no historical evidence left to be found there. Archaeologists haven't even been able to find a burial site for the city's rulers or religious leaders, which seems abnormal for ancient societies. Maybe someday we will find it or find something that unlocks the mystery of Teotihuacan. But also, Unlike the Egyptians, Greeks, Romans, or Chinese, the people of Teotihuacan wrote hardly anything down. At least again, that we know of. There are no stashes of scrolls or stone tablets with writings on it that we have found. They may have done so, and they may have already been destroyed or as yet remain hidden. But a lack of writing doesn't mean that they weren't impressive people capable of extraordinary things. The temples along the Avenue of the Dead 
are example enough. What we do know about the empire of Teotihuacan is that they were very wealthy, powerful, and held great influence over the smaller tribes in the area. They also are one of the centers of trade throughout Mexico. Archaeologists have found artifacts throughout Mexico with ties to Teotihuacan. It seemed that Teotihuacan exported all kinds of goods, from exotic feathers to crops, to ceramics and obsidian. It does seem that Teotihuacan had the monopoly on the obsidian trade, with one of the biggest obsidian deposits in Mesoamerica near the city. Obsidian is an incredibly sharp volcanic rock that can be used for tools or weapons. It's also very durable and holds up well under pressure, thus making it incredibly valuable to all different peoples. Of all of the aspects of the people of Teotihuacan, its religious influence was surely its greatest. From what architecture and art exists today in the city, the people of Teotihuacan, like most ancient peoples, were polytheistic. They had many different gods for all aspects of life. It appears that their chief god was a spider goddess, which was called the great goddess of Teotihuacan. She appears to be the goddess of water, earth, fertility, and creation. Other gods that the people of Teotihuacan worshipped were the rain god Tlatok, the spring god Ziptotec, and the god of vegetation Quetzalcoatl. Quetzalcoatl was a god who was responsible for many different things to the different peoples of Mexico throughout the ages. A feathered snake-like deity, he was worshipped for hundreds of years in Central America and his worship required sacrifice, both animal and human. The people of Teotihuacan built perhaps the greatest religious site in world history to conduct the worship of their gods. It starts with the Temple of the Moon, went on to the Temple of Quetzalcoatl, and finished at the Temple of the Sun. In between all these temples, there were smaller temples, viewing platforms, altars, and all sorts of other religious necessities to perform the religious practices. This elaborate temple complex has three main temples, the Temple of the Moon, the Temple of Quetzalcoatl, and the Temple of the Sun. These three temples, along with all the other religious buildings, are connected by what is known today as the Avenue of the Dead. I have pictures of the Avenue of the Dead up on the website, 21wonderspodcast.com. I highly recommend that you check them out. The Avenue of the Dead is beautiful, even today. We will start where the people of Teotihuacan would have started, at the Temple of the Moon. Now, the Temple of the Moon is most likely not the pyramid's original name. All of the names of all of these temples were the names given to these magnificent religious structures by the Aztecs, who came about a thousand years after they were built. But, for simplicity's sake, we will call them by their Aztec names. The Temple of the Moon is the northernmost temple along the Avenue of the Dead. It stands 46 meters or 150 feet high, and has a base of 168 meters or 550 foot squared. What adds to the grandeur of the Temple of the Moon is that, while it is not as tall compared to the Temple of the Sun, 
it stands on a bit of higher ground, so it is elevated even more compared to the ground around it. It is also surrounded by 12 smaller pyramid platforms. These would have been viewing areas for thousands of people to watch the sacrifices and religious ceremonies being held on the pyramid. But also directly in front of the pyramid, in full view of all of these viewing pyramids, is a singular altar. Archaeological evidence around the altar shows that this altar was used to sacrifice both animals and humans. The pyramid itself was the first of the three large temples to be completed at Teotihuacan. It was constructed in stages from as early as 1 AD to about 350 AD. It was built in seven stages, with each stage being a pyramid built over top of the existing one, slowly increasing the pyramid size. It's sort of like a Russian doll, with six smaller pyramids underneath the completed pyramid we can see today. Archaeological evidence has also shown us that there appears to have been more sacrifices at the completion of each stage of the pyramid. This is not unusual. Upon each stage of completion, there would have been a festival or a ceremony with both human and animal sacrifices. Now, human sacrifice was a common practice of ancient religions and was not just limited to Mesoamerica. It has become highly associated with Mesoamerica, but many religions in the Middle East and the Far East also had human sacrifice. Most of the people who would have been sacrificed would have been captured prisoners of war. This was a way of thanking the gods for success in battle, without depleting your own population. But every so often, for a special offering, someone might volunteer themselves to be sacrificed. One of the most fascinating archaeological finds around the Temple of the Moon is a tomb that was made to commemorate the completion of the fourth stage of construction. In this tomb, there is one man who seems only to have been injured, not dead, when he was buried. His hands and feet were tied, and with him was over 400 relics, along with skeletons from a puma, a jaguar, and a wolf. This tomb is dedicated to the chief goddess of Teotihuacan. The fact that there is only one man buried in this tomb, and that he was not dead when he went in, suggests that perhaps this man volunteered to be sacrificed, or was simply chosen by the religious leaders. Either way, unique findings such as this offer us incredible insight into the religious practices of the people of Teotihuacan. Just like other ancient peoples all over the world, celestial activity and beings were of vital importance to the people of Teotihuacan, and their buildings reflected that. All of the major temples along the Avenue of the Dead are aligned with celestial beings. But the people of Teotihuacan also revered the natural world. The Temple of the Moon was designed to look like the hill which is directly behind it. Its steep sides and staircases demonstrate the way to heaven. Now whether this was an actual physical climb or simply a spiritual one, we have no idea. The smallest of the three grand pyramid temples at Teotihuacan is the Temple of Quetzalcoatl, or the Pyramid of the Feathered Serpent. The reason why it has this name 
is the heads which depict the feathered serpent deity that decorate the pyramid. I have some pictures of these heads up on the website. Each head weighs more than four tons apiece, and each one hangs off the sloped sides of the pyramid. This is a remarkable feat of architecture and design. Obviously, four tons is a lot of weight. And to design a building in such a way as to let these heads stick out of the sides without compromising the building structure, and not have the heads being at risk of falling, is something we don't really see a whole lot in other ancient societies. Such a practice became more common in the medieval and renaissance eras. The Temple of Quetzalcoatl is part of a larger complex which seems like it would have been the administrative center for Teotihuacan. Called the Ciudadela, or Citadel, it was also possibly the headquarters for the priests and important religious figures. This compound is the only structure in the city that has walls. The city itself didn't even have walls, but we will discuss all that next week. But these walls appear to have been designed not to keep people out, but merely for some privacy, as the entire backside of the compound is open to the Avenue of the Dead. This pyramid, with its head sticking off the sides, would have been absolutely beautiful when it was first completed. Painted in all sorts of vibrant colors, it must have looked like the heads of the god himself were there on the sides of the pyramid. So that's two of the temples along the Avenue of the Dead. The Temple of the Feathered Serpent and the Temple of the Moon. Upon their completion, they were some of the largest structures in ancient Mesoamerica. But they pale in comparison to the big boy on the block, the Temple of the Sun. The biggest structure along the Avenue of the Dead is the most visited site in Mexico today. But we will look at that temple next week. I want to give it the time and attention that it deserves. So next week, we will look at the Temple of the Sun, and we'll also dig a little deeper into the people of Teotihuacan and see why their empire was so successful, what possibly happened to them, and how they impacted the more famous peoples of Mesoamerica. Yeah.